addiction is a progressive narrowing of the things that give you pleasure. Am I addicted to stand-up comedy? Sort of. Uh, it has gotten out of control at times. Uh, I've over-invested in stand-up, for sure. I'd like to think I've found more of a balance at this point in my life. That could be just a rationalization, could be making excuses for myself. I don't think I could quit. You know, I don't think I could, I don't think I could walk away. I don't want to either. How does addiction work? Well, it's primarily regulated by dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter. It's a molecule in our nervous systems that helps nerve cells communicate with each other. It regulates how the nerves in our brain and the rest of our nervous system talk to each other. Your motivation or excitement about any given pursuit in life is regulated by relative levels of dopamine in your nervous system. You know, do you in this moment have a higher or lower level of dopamine release relative to the preceding moment, right? If dopamine firing is increasing, you're going to feel more motivated. If dopamine firing is dropping, you're going to feel less motivated. It's not about absolute levels of dopamine, you know, some a really high level or a really low level. It's all about relative levels of dopamine across time from one moment to the next. It's all compared to recent experience. What's your baseline resting level of dopamine? Did you have a recent peak or spike of dopamine that shot you high above baseline? Dopamine colors and distorts the subjective experience of something to make it more pleasurable, to make it something you want more of. Often, if you're experiencing increased dopamine levels, you're also experiencing an increase in epinephrine in your body. Epinephrine is adrenaline. This is the molecule that kind of kicks your nervous system into high alert. Epinephrine by itself is more about total energy and readiness increase, readiness for action. You know, epinephrine is also associated with our experience of fear or anxiety. But coupled to dopamine, when you have both epinephrine and dopamine at the same time, you know, you're more likely to feel positive, pleasurable excitement about a given experience. I don't know if you've ever had a room full of people uh, erupt in spontaneous laughter after you said something funky into a microphone, but that tends to kick off some dopamine. You know, you'll start chasing that dragon. Ooh, how do I do that again? You know? And when a joke falls flat and you bite it after just riding that high of having your previous joke or maybe a set a day or an hour before, you know, if that material recently crushed and now you just hit the big one, you know, that's going to play games with your dopamine system. It kind of turns out we like that more than anything. Uh, that's our favorite thing. We like being surprised. It's, it's really hard 
to maintain ever escalating dopamine highs. You know, you tend to run out of gas, it's not sustainable. Dopamine, it's, it's always, it's all about wanting more, you know, craving more, anticipating something better just over the horizon, just around the corner, you know? You can never satisfy dopamine no matter what you feed it because dopamine is all about reaching for what you don't have. That's that's all dopamine can tell you. That's all dopamine can tell you in your brain is go get more. Now, it can tell you to hold off on getting more immediately so that you can have the opportunity to get even more than that in the future. Dopamine can tell you to wait patiently if there's an even bigger payoff available later on. Our dopamine circuits are complex enough to handle that, but dopamine isn't going to behave unless it feels, it knows that it's getting, it thinks it's getting a better deal, you know, that's coming up later. So here's, here's why dopamine is such a tricksy, you know, devilish little imp. Dopamine is all about craving. And once you get what you want, once you have that thing that you were seeking in hand, dopamine spikes up really high but then it drops back down. And even worse, <laughs> the worst part is dopamine doesn't just drop back down to baseline. It actually dips slightly below our previous baseline. And the extent to which it drops below baseline is proportional to how much above baseline it went. So the higher the high, the deeper the crash. And you gotta remember how you feel in a given moment is all about relative dopamine levels. So after you get that big thing you wanted, you ran that marathon, you know, your first child is born, immediately following, you can get that lovely postpartum depression. You know, this baby isn't as cool as I thought it was gonna be, you know? Olympic, Olympic athletes, you know, they get depressed after competing on the highest level because your dopamine levels are relatively low compared to where they were when you were seeking that massive prize at the end of the rainbow. You know, even if you have like normal dopamine levels, that's nothing compared to the dopamine highs you had when you were competing in front of the world at the Olympics, you know? So then what? You know, do you climb a taller cliff? Do you free solo a more dangerous mountain? You know, to get, to get pregnant with twins or triplets? <laughs> All these things we have total control over, you know, because if you only climb that same mountain a second time, guess what? Dopamine doesn't peak as high as it did the first time. You run that marathon at the same speed, your dopamine release is lower. You eat that 10th piece of pizza, doesn't taste as good as the first slice, doesn't feel as good, you know? You're never gonna get, you're never gonna love that second child as much as the first, you know, or the third as much as the second. <laughs> That's terrible, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say things like that. But for every bit of pleasure you gain, there is an opposing pain and craving for more that you will never be able to satisfy by seeking out that same reward, you know? Evolutionarily, dopamine is the molecule of foraging and seeking. It drives us out exploring in the world, which is critical to our survival. You know, it's important. We have to seek and explore. Dopamine 
has to go back down after you get what you wanted so that you can be motivated to go get more of that or something else in the future. It's a matter of survival, but our environment today is so much different from the environment in which we evolved this dopamine system, right? We have access to excess. If we get hooked on something and that something is too readily available in our environment, it can take over our life, you know? And it ends up not even being any fun in the end. You know, chasing an addiction, you just keep depleting your dopamine more and more. The spikes give less and less pleasure and the valleys get deeper and harder to climb out of. You know, this is what happens with drugs, uh, can happen with video games, pornography, social media, stand-up comedy. And there's lots of religious and philosophical traditions that try to fight off this constant nagging from dopamine for more and more and more. You know, Buddhism talks a lot about extinguishing craving. The Epicurean tradition in Greek thought is very similar. You know, we have the modern minimalist movement attempting the same kind of thing. These are all methods for training your mind to not be a doormat to dopamine's persistent demands. But what if you kind of like dopamine, you know? What if you want to keep using? What if you think you can handle it? What if you're an addict? So one of the best ways to keep someone addicted sustainably, let's say, uh, is with what's called an intermittent reward schedule. This is what casinos use to hook people on slot machines. This is why people buy scratch-off lottery tickets. Dopamine yells at us to go exploring. And dopamine gets real excited when it finds something new. The best way to excite dopamine is to surprise it. The big jumps in dopamine and the big crashes in dopamine have to do with this concept of reward prediction error. So let's say you go out hunting and you don't think you're going to catch anything, but then a giant buck walks in front of you and has a heart attack, solves your you know food scarcity problems for the next several months, big dopamine spike, right? That's awesome. Wow, this, this is a really great thing just happened for no reason. Cool. Uh, but if you are accustomed to easily catching fish at your favorite fishing spot, and you go there and you fish all day and you don't catch a single fish, big dopamine drop, you know? If you expect nothing and you get everything, mm, dopamine loves that, right? If you expect everything and you get nothing, Dopamine's not so psyched. So the best way to mess with someone's dopamine system and to keep them pursuing something for as long as possible is with an intermittent reward schedule. You know, you're sort of hacking this reward prediction error system. It's a balance of enough disappointment that when you do win, it still hits you as a wonderful surprise and your dopamine jumps up and says, Give me more, you know, I want some more of that. Yes, 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 please, please, please. And nowadays, you know, we have big data to analyze people's behavior at places like casinos and in video games. So people are watching us 
tracking how long we use a slot machine, video games, social media, and they're figuring out how often do we need to be rewarded in order to continue playing for the longest period of time. So they might throw you a small reward every 25 or 50 times that you do a given behavior. And then about every thousandth time you do that behavior, maybe you get a really big reward. But it's not on a set schedule. You know, sometimes it might be the 700th time, sometimes it might be the 1200th time. It's unpredictable, right? That's, that's the key thing, it's not predictable. So, you know, we've got people trying to manipulate us and hack our dopamine systems to behave like they're little pawns. Uh, that's happening. How do we then hack our own dopamine system? How do we make our dopamine work for us to get what we want, <laughs> right? Can you outsmart your own dopamine, right? This is kind of getting a little obscure and meta, but can you trick the trickster? You know, yes, we're playing with fire here, but is there a way to do it and not get burned too badly? You know, how do you balance out your dopamine system so you can pursue things you care about without letting them take over your life? You know, without letting them narrow your pursuits in an unhealthy and consuming way. So first rule of dopamine, you don't want to stack tons of dopamine into one time frame. You don't want a single experience spiking your dopamine into the stratosphere. Like too much dopamine at once can have very negative consequences for future sustained motivation. But you also don't want to live a flat life. You know, it's still good to climb mountains, right? So how do you how do you climb mountains without getting depressed and messing with your motivation to continue living life after you've reached this summit, right? Here's what you can do. If you hit a high point of performance, you win that marathon, a date with that new person goes great, you have a killer stand-up set, you have the ability to subjectively influence your dopamine system. You can subjectively tell yourself, okay, that was good, that was fun, I'm glad that happened. You can celebrate the win, however, don't celebrate too hard. Don't psych yourself up and get too amped, you know. Act like you've been there before. Don't expect high dopamine every time you do something right. That's gonna help keep your dopamine in check. You know, you're not getting as much of a high, right? Granted, but you're also not getting as much of a crash. It's a smoother ride. You'll be able to stay pursuing whatever you're after without burning out by being unable to reach an ever escalating, you know, consistently <laughs> rising dopamine high. You know, you, you just you want to remember big increases in dopamine both increase your desire to hit that new high and increase the intensity of the crashes. You can get stuck reaching for goals that are very much out of reach and then you're just stuck with the pain of the crashes. So you can you can take this further and sort of reverse engineer 
and intermittent reward schedule. What do I mean by that? So let's say you have several good dates in a row, or you have several stand-up sets that go awesome, or you're killing it every month at your new job. Don't celebrate all of those wins every time, and don't celebrate them in the same way. You know, don't treat yourself every time something goes well. It's okay to be meh about some of those wins in life, you know? And not because you're disappointed, not because you're mad about it or sad about it. It's more of a maturity thing. You're just doing what you were supposed to do, and you don't have to draw unnecessary attention to that. Appreciate the things that are going well, but don't go nuts about it, you know? Let good or even great things feel a little bland sometimes. Be okay with that. And every once in a while say, you know what? Tonight feels like a night to celebrate, you know? Crap's going really well, let's have a little party. Go crazy. That's how you can stay steadily motivated, you know? Random, intermittent rewards for the behaviors that you want to continue in your life. Reward good behavior, but not excessively, and not every time. I mentioned Epicureanism, uh, another Greek school of philosophy that's helpful here. You've probably heard of it at this point. It's all over the internet. Uh, Stoicism. Stoicism has become popular again because the world seems like it's gone crazy sometimes these days. There's a lot of things to be anxious about being thrown at us all the time. And, you know, Ryan Holiday, if you've heard of him, you should check him out if you haven't. Ryan Holiday, a very popular author writing about stoicism, how it can help you out in the tumult of modern life, in this environment we didn't really evolve for. You know, stoicism is all about balance, not getting too riled up about anything, having very measured responses to what comes your way in life, not suppressing your emotions entirely, that's not good, but having emotional responses that properly map to the challenges that face you. You know, if you can stay stoic about your wins in life, you're going to keep your dopamine system from overwhelming you across time. You know, it's, it's that old Aesop's fable, slow and steady wins the race. You know, it's about consistency over time. You want to ride life's roller coaster, you know, experience everything life has to offer, but take it in with some level of stoic detachment and then occasionally, when appropriate, fully engage. Feel all the feelings, let that dopamine run a little cray cray, all right? Just not all the time, all right? More, more, more is not better forever. Here's the other thing that is excellent for maintaining motivation for whatever you're pursuing. If you want to be a healthy addict, uh, this, this is another key. You want to engage in hard work that is intrinsically rewarding. What does that mean? Uh, it means the act of doing the thing releases dopamine. You enjoy the process itself. You're not running in order to win the marathon. You're running because you like running. The worst thing you could do is tell yourself that you hate a given activity, but you like the reward you get afterward. Bad idea, all right? That will actually ultimately, the way our dopamine system works, 
decrease motivation for the activity, probably lead to failure over time. You, you really can't change behavior this way. That's why dieting doesn't work. That's why you won't stick to a new exercise routine that you don't enjoy or that you can't convince yourself that you enjoy. That's the thing. You might have to lie to yourself to make this happen. You know, maybe you don't like writing scripts for YouTube videos. Maybe that's not your favorite thing. But if you want to continue writing scripts for YouTube videos, if you've self-identified that goal, if you realize that that is an important thing for you to do, then the best way to motivate yourself to do it is to lie to yourself about all the positive things you gain in the act of writing scripts for YouTube videos, right? How much that intrinsically gives you joy. <laughs> you know, tell yourself you enjoy your fingers tapping on the keys of your laptop. Tell yourself um, that this act is, is making you a better writer overall through this process in the moment. You know, it's, it's improving your self-discipline in the moment. It, it helps you focus in the morning. It's a great way to kick off your day. Uh, it wakes you up instead of you, you know, lounging around in bed moping about how there's nothing you can do to make your life better. You know, it's heck, it's a meditative practice that is helping you organize yourself psychologically. Say whatever you need to say, you know, whatever weird little lies you need to tell yourself about why this thing you don't want to do is actually a beautiful thing that you love doing. Tell yourself those lies, you know, whisper them into your ear at night until you believe them. You, you don't want to be only pursuing innately pleasurable things, you know, food, sex, warmth, entertainment. It's too easy to overindulge in excess these days. And that's not ultimately helpful. Your dopamine system gets hijacked and you're hooked on stuff that isn't good for you across the long term. You know, sometimes stuff that sucks and isn't fun ends up being really good for you. You know, it's it's that delayed dopamine kick I talked about earlier. So you have to lie to your dopamine and tell it that you want more of that thing that you don't like, but you do like. I don't know, when you're, when you're struggling to put effort into something, subjectively tell yourself that you are doing this by choice and that you love it. <laughs> you love taking on difficult responsibilities and efforts and no one is forcing you to do that you intrinsically, genuinely enjoy it. You know, that's what's got the best chance of giving you that steady drip of that sweet, sweet dopamine. And every once in a while, all of that effort leads to something pretty cool and surprising, you know, novel and fun, and your dopamine jumps. But you can't get too attached to that. You know, sometimes you do, but sometimes eh, it's whatever, you know. What you're, what you're really interested in as much as possible is the effort itself that's what keeps you going. You don't want to spike dopamine too much before engaging in effort, and you don't want to spike dopamine too much after engaging in effort. You want to subjectively find ways to tell yourself to spike dopamine during the effort itself. And you want to do that on an intermittent reward schedule. You don't reward yourself constantly every time you sit down to write or go outside to run, but every now and then, you tell yourself, you know what? Good job. This is good. This is where I should be. I don't want to be anywhere else. And occasionally, you lose your head and you go dance in the street like a maniac. 
but you do that randomly as well. Because here's the thing, you do not want to do hard work for the sake of any specific future reward, particularly a future external reward, right? This is much less motivating. You're gonna have a harder time. Okay, so just again, I know I'm reviewing a lot, but I'm trying to drive home the point. You don't want specific extrinsic reward. You want random intrinsic reward. You know, it's way harder to push yourself during a run because of the pot of gold at the end of the marathon rainbow. It's too far away. You need to put the reward in the activity itself. Every step you take in this moment is a small reward, but kind of not every step. <laughs> the act of running or the writing is intrinsically rewarding. That doesn't mean that it is as rewarding as winning a race or having a video go viral, but you're not doing it because you're going to win or go viral. You're doing it because you want to do it because it's good, even if nothing else happens. And if you just so happen to win or just so happen to go viral, icing on the cake, you know, nice little, little dopamine spike. That's, that's how you maintain optimum motivation across time. It doesn't consume you. You don't burn out. You engage in the pursuit of more at a healthy pace. You leave room to be satisfied in the moment. You know, you step off the treadmill and appreciate life because dopamine isn't constantly barking louder and louder inside your head. And then you can hop back on the treadmill when appropriate. And I know this is like a weird video, but this is all very interesting to me because the thing I got hooked on was stand-up comedy. You know, I'm, I'm addicted to comedy. You know, I'm kind of boring for a comedian. You know, I don't, I don't drink. I never have. I don't use any drugs. I never have. I don't judge anyone who does. You know, life is a nightmare. I understand why someone would choose to, you know, shut it all down by blissing out on heroin or something else. I just said heroin in a weird way, but I don't know. I fully get why people choose to do that. Life is impossibly hard. Um, but I've gotten lucky getting addicted to the high of having a great stand-up set because it's really hard for me to get my drug. Like, it's not easy to access. I can't buy it from anyone. I have to produce it. I have to put in a tremendous amount of work to get that high. And then it takes a long time before I can get it again. You know, it's like, uh, it's like shelling pistachios rather than, uh, you know, buying the pistachios with the shells already removed. You know, you can't, you can't shove a handful into your mouth all at once. You know, you gotta, you know, pop those suckers out one at a time. Sometimes they try to skitter away on you. You know, it's a, it's a little tedious getting my pistachios. Well, at the same time, it is kind of easy to get hooked on stand-up because of that intermittent reward schedule. You know, when you get started, you go on stage, you have no idea what you're doing. Most of the time you bomb horribly. Uh, sometimes people laugh at you, you know, when you bomb, that's confusing. You know, you're trying to sort that out. Then occasionally, you know, something makes somebody laugh. It might not even be the thing that you thought should get that reaction. So you puzzle over that. What happened there? So you try it. You try to get that little, you know, dopamine hit again, and your adrenaline is kicked through the roof. Remember, adrenaline and dopamine kind of work together in certain situations. You know, your adrenaline's kicking up while you're up there talking to people. You're all nervous and anxious. But then, you know, 
When it goes well, all that nervous energy turns into excitement. Like, holy crap, it worked! <laughs> you know? And some dopamine and epinephrine mixed together, and, uh, and you're just like, how can I ride that roller coaster again, baby? <laughs> Let me get back on that horse. Um, but it's never consistent, you know? Some new jokes bomb, some new jokes go great, some jokes that used to work don't work anymore, some jokes that didn't work before, you figure out how to fix them. It's all, you know, dynamic and always changing and surprising, you know, just random sporadic rewards punctuated by lots of tripping and falling in between. Stand-up comedy is a dream come true if you're an addict, you know? It gives you just enough to keep you coming back and you can't die from it. It's, uh, it's like golf. I don't golf, but I've seen uh, I've seen Robin Williams' stand-up bit about golf. If you haven't seen that, go watch it. It's very applicable to this discussion. You know, stand-up comedy is like golf. Every once in a while, you hit a great shot or have a great round, and uh, you know somehow it makes all the uh, makes all the horrible shit worth it. <laughs> yeah, dope, dopamine is all about going out and seeking, but it's not always about, you know, food or sex or entertainment or shelter or social bonding and friendship. You know, sometimes it's about information, you know. I'm a, I'm a nerd. Uh, I love reading books, uh, finding little new little nuggets of information. That's another one of my, my addictions. Information is wildly valuable. You know, dopamine loves new surprising information. Because if you can predict it, then technically, you know, that's, that's not new information, right? We're wired by dopamine to pay very close attention to any new information in our environment. You know, that, sort of, that new information updates how we interact with the world. You know, it teaches us, it makes us wiser. And that's also what stand-up is, you know, in a way. That's what jokes are. They're this surprising novel information. That's part of why it's exciting, you know? Part of why audiences laugh, you know, like, oh, I never thought of it that way. You know, people say it all the time, I never really thought of it, that's, that's true, you know. As the comedian, you go off exploring these weird little thoughts, and every once in a while, you, uh, you bring back a surprise golden treat for the audience, you know, they love that. You know, feed us our treats, Mr. Comic, you know. I don't know, we, we, we sort of consider things uh, miraculous if they don't behave how we expect them to behave based on our current conception of reality, right? Like when something aberrant happens in reality and it's a positive thing, uh, we tend to regard that as ooh, a little miracle, right? How, where did that come from? How did that happen? That's, I can't explain that, uh, but my dopamine wants to know about it, you know? So jokes are sort of like mini miracles sometimes, you know, they, they can even feel profound, you know? Not only do they contain some wonderful little surprise, but they shift our frame of reference so that the context is different, you know? Sometimes the surprise makes sense in some new frame entirely, a new way of looking at an old problem, you know? You can have an absurd joke that actually gives you valuable information that applies to your reality, you know, your life. It's new information that's valuable, somehow more accurate in this new breakthrough context that you never would have thought of. I'm rambling a lot, uh, but I don't know, I love stand-up comedy, not just because it can surprise people with joy, that's very cool, but because it can open up your mind to new ways of thinking about things. You know, that's that's so cool to me. I really like that. I just, I don't know, you can probably tell I'm excited. I really enjoy that. But then there's the flip side, you know, where comedy, I don't know, messes with your head. 
just poked myself in the eye. Uh, I don't know. I was I was talking to one of my friends after a show, and he was like, uh, "Man, I want to I want to put a gun in my mouth." I was like, "What are you What are you talking about? You did really well. The crowd wasn't great, but you know, you did way better than the other comics by far. You just still got a bunch of solid laughs." And he goes, "Yeah, I mean, I, I got a few applause breaks or whatever, but." I don't know, I wish this joke, it's like, that was the next sentence. It was, I want to put a gun in my mouth, and then, I mean, yeah, I got a few applause breaks. Like, that's that's how comedy can mess you up, you know? It's like, it, it screws with your head. You know, that's our, that's our threshold for satisfaction in life. If you're too good at comedy, you end up needing more than a few applause breaks to hit your dopamine baseline. That's not great, you know? Luckily, I'm not that good at comedy. You know, haven't uh, haven't reached that stage yet. I don't know. I'm not funny enough to overdose on stand-up. Um, I guess that's good. Because uh, if you're really funny, if you're too funny, if too many people are praising you too much, like how do you balance out all that escalating dopamine. You know, a lot of celebrities struggle with addiction. You know, it makes total sense. You know, it's it's hard to stay balanced out with that level of constant, consistent stimulation. You know, if uh, you know when you when you talk to uh, read up on like addicts in recovery, they have you know some some hard won wisdom in this area. They understand that it needs to be okay for life to be boring, that you can't always be seeking the next big thrill. You know, life is going to be boring and stressful. Boredom can be anxiety invoking, you know, especially today, right? It's like a void, you know, with all the distractions calling for our attention, you know, fear of missing out on this or that. Boredom is important and necessary. To be a healthy addict, you got to embrace boredom, you know? I love stand-up, but I can't do stand-up 24-7. That wouldn't feel good, you know? That wouldn't be fun for me anymore, you know? I feel like stand-up is one of my primary passions in life, but you can't focus on chasing only your passions, you know? That really can be a recipe for disaster if you don't have something else going on in your life. And, and also, you know, there really is, like, so much work in the world that needs to be done that people don't want to do, that people aren't passionate about, you know? And this, I'm including myself in this, you know? What addicts, you know, realize processing addiction, like, how they get out of the constant chase, they come to grips with this idea that it's not always entirely about me and, you know, what I will in the world and what I want. You know, it's it's about what needs to be done. You know, the work that presents itself in this present moment. You don't need to search for the perfect thing to go out and chase. Sometimes you just have to attend to what's right there in front of you. You know, if you can embrace this idea of a duty to immediate needs of whatever environment you, you're in. If you can be awake and alert to your environment, you know, connected to it, not trying to escape it somehow, you know? Because that's stand-up, you know, that, that escapism is what dopamine pushes us toward, you know, that experience of non-being, 
of being outside of the limited self, our animal body. We try to do something that makes us, you know, create something that makes us feel bigger, longer lasting, immortal, you know? It's it's silly, but we really do try to do something that will outlast us, that will somehow feel immortal in some way. We try to be the best that ever was because that would justify us somehow. You know, we need this ultimate external recognition and reward, this, this fantasy that dopamine is always seeking. And you have to stay vigilant against that kind of grandiosity. You know, you need an ego that is motivating you to chase something that is important, but you don't want your ego to get confused and think it's a god. <laughs> you know, you need an appropriate level of humility within the pursuit. And that's another reason I like stand-up, because it keeps me humble. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to think you're all that when you bomb while trying to share your truth with others, you know? Well, here, hey, everybody, this is what makes me tick. What do y'all think of that? Pretty lame, you dumb loser. It's like, oh, okay, I'll go back to the drawing board, you know? Like, in stand-up, you, you, it forces you. You have to be honest. Uh, you can't lie. Uh, that doesn't work. You're, you're going to crush yourself doing that, you know? But also, at the same time, nothing humbles you more than the truth. It's brutal, you know? I mean, you, you can make some stuff up. You can be silly up there. But the emotions have to be honest. You, you can't fake that. It doesn't, doesn't work. Like if you want to be good at stand-up, really good at it, not fake good at it, if you want to be really, really like, like excellent at stand-up, if that's your goal, you have to have an honest, transparent relationship with the audience, which is so hard to do. <laughs> like Even if you're posturing like you're hot shit, there has to be a wink that deep down, you kind of know you're an idiot. You know, <laughs> you have to properly reflect the human condition. And, I don't know, our ego often doesn't like that. You know, it's, it's super hard. Uh, it's incredibly rewarding when you get it right. You know, very, very punishing uh, when you get it wrong, either on stage or eventually psychologically offstage in certain ways. All right, so that's that's how this all relates to stand-up. I'm going to say one other thing in case you're addicted to something else. If you're addicted to something, it is possible to reset your dopamine system, right? It's not hopeless. Abstaining from the thing you're addicted to for about 30 days lets you get back to, you know, your normal dopamine baseline so you can start to feel pleasure again in simpler things, you know, simpler possibly more necessary things, necessary things in your immediate reality that can lead and build toward bigger things. The first two weeks of the detox from whatever you're addicted to are probably going to suck, uh, but if you can make it 30 days, you got a chance. And ultimately, you know, how do you, how do you overcome an addictive process? How do you beat an addiction? You have to replace it with something better right? You got you to gotta come up with something better. And it may not be immediately obvious what that something better is. You know, that's another one of these, the, the tricks to this whole thing. You just have to start doing stuff, you know, attending to things that you recognize need to be done. And you have to tell yourself you're doing that because you want to, that you love doing those, you know, simple, necessary things. 
And then you sort of just stumble onto better things along the way. You, you have to practice enjoying the process, you know, let the surprises happen. You know, you don't chase some big surprise like you know what's best for you. You have to have a little humility about how stupid you are <laughs> stumbling around in this sort of complex, unpredictable world. And you kind of just figure it out. You know, and, 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 and with stand-up, I feel like art kind of reflects life, and it's, it's kind of a, a similar process. So yeah, my name is Mike Frank, and I'm addicted to stand-up comedy. That's it. You've reached the end of the episode. Welcome to the podcast outro. An outro is the opposite of an intro. Kind of like an innie versus an outie when it comes to belly buttons. Comedy Obsessed, a podcast featuring Mike Frank of anothermillennial.com. If you haven't figured it out, this is a podcast about stand-up comedy. I'm a stand-up comic. I don't think stand-up is well understood by that many people. Comedy nerds like me, you know, we respect it as an art form. Lots of other people have a rather low opinion of it. I understand why. You know, there's lots of rough, bad, gross, disappointing comedy out there. I've made plenty of it. But I also don't think that that low opinion of the art of comedy is justifiable. I think stand-up is a beautiful, challenging, rewarding, complex art form that deserves as much respect as any other performing art. It's incredibly impressive when someone is able to write and perform stand-up that is wildly funny and even simultaneously insightful. I'm not saying that happens all the time, or even the majority of the time, but when it does happen, I think it's incredible. So this is a podcast where I discuss my own struggles with trying to do that incredible thing. I'm going to talk about my experience, what I've learned over the years writing and performing stand-up, things I've picked up on to try to do it better, nuances to the art form you can't fully appreciate until you've actually experienced them in some capacity, but I'm still, probably futilely, going to try to relate those lessons to others interested in stand-up, whether you've done it or not. I'm a bit of a nerd, I've got a background in philosophy from when I was in college, I also maintain a deep interest in psychology and neuroscience. I poke around in economics, history, and literature. There's a list of book recommendations on my website that you can check out if you're interested in any of those things. Weirdly enough, I find ways for these subjects to inform my understanding of stand-up. Hopefully, you find the discussion of these ideas to be as satisfying to your own curiosity as I have to mine. I should also mention that I'm a dentist. That's my day job. I have a YouTube channel where I'm trying to teach people how to take care of their teeth and improve their oral health. Oral health, that's mouth health. I want to help you with your mouth health because I think that our healthcare system is failing and I don't think that trends within the industry are heading in a good direction. I don't think I can really reverse those trends with anything I do working as a dentist. And you might be thinking, how are YouTube videos supposed to help people improve their dental health? 
Preventative medicine. It's the most powerful weapon we've got to reverse the healthcare crisis in America. I truly believe that. I'm trying to make a positive contribution to that struggle. So you can find me on YouTube. My channel is Another Lazy Millennial. It's all one word when you search it. Google will ask you if you meant Another Lazy Millennial as three separate words, and you can defiantly state to Google, no, I meant it as one word because I want to find Mike Frank's YouTube channel. Thank you very much. That's what you should tell Google. Uh, there's dental stuff there. There's stand-up stuff there. I'm a weirdo, but I've decided I'm finally committed to being me instead of hiding what I'm really like. So congratulations. This is me, y'all. My website is anotherlazymillennial.com. If you give me your email address on that website, I'll be sure to keep you up to date about future comedy tours and projects I hope to create. You can find me on Instagram at Comedic Exposure. That's C-O-M-E-D-I-C-E-X-P-O-S-U-R-E. Comedic Exposure. I take photos of comics there. I'll be posting stand-up clips there. I'll also likely be posting clips out of this podcast there. I'm on TikTok at Mike underscore the underscore dentist, as well as a separate TikTok account where I'll be posting stand-up clips at Mike Frank Comedy. That's M-I-K-E-F-R-A-N-K-E Comedy. All right. Thanks for listening. Honestly, really appreciate it. If you've listened, listened to this whole spiel, please share with anyone who you think would like any of this stuff I'm doing. Ask me questions on YouTube and TikTok. I'll do my best to be responsive and helpful. So yeah, that's about it. Go ahead and get outside, go on a walk, get some exercise, get some sleep, hug somebody you care about, read a book, do something challenging and worthwhile. Have a lovely day.